Hello, all of you massapreneurs out there. It's Tashara Arthur here on the Truly Sincere Business Solutions Podcast. Right now, um, it's going to be the last episode in our first season. So we did great. Um, our first season didn't expect so much success in the first season, but to God be the glory. He called it and we walked on it. So thank God for everyone out there who tuned in this season. Um, huge thank you to everyone who's shared the podcast or everyone who's ever advertised it. But moving on, uh, this this episode is special to me. We're going to be talking about staffing and how important it is to have the right staff, have processes in place, um, how to build trust, relationships, you know, and protect your staff as you will protect yourself um, as a CEO. So it's very important for us as CEOs to uh, have a vision for your staff Uh, because even the word teaches us that without a vision the people will perish so many times people blame the staff for faults or the staff for a project not getting done when really there was never a vision set in place now I'm not talking about a vision where you just wrote something out and said get it done but I mean an actual vision that you walked through with your team um, you set deadlines, so maybe Tuesday by 3 p.m. this should be delivered. Things of that nature, not leaving it up to the staff to figure it out for you as the CEO. Now, that sounds crazy because a lot of people think I'm a boss. I shouldn't have to worry about that, but that's false. And those that's the type of attitude, as an entrepreneur, that's the type of attitude um, that would ultimately cause your business to fail. Now, of course, when you get to a higher level, um, you will have people designated to make sure those jobs get done. However, as an entrepreneur starting out, even midway in, um, you have to be you have to be there as a as a rep, point of reference to your staff. So that's what I mean about you know having a vision planned out for your staff. And this is another one: always, always go back to the why. Uh, why did I hire this person, or why is this position necessary? Because a lot of times people get cocky and say, well, I don't need them or, or what do I need them for? But go back to the vision, the original vision and find out why was that position even created for your company? Why was it necessary and how vital it is to keep that person or keep that position or, or, or get rid of it ultimately? So these are some things that it's minor, but we overlook them. So just consider that uh, you need a staff. Um, the bigger you go, the more staff you would need. I was in my master's in business administration. And during this degree time, um, one of the professors, he said, you can't be everything to your company uh, because you'll start getting in your feelings. And he said, you can't be the planner, the executor, and the manager. Okay, so you can't be, this is the vision, right? Now, this is how we're going to do the vision. And this is how we're going to execute the vision. It sounds good, like, yeah, I could do all that. But the more people you have, the more people can catch faults or could catch, excuse me, they could catch what you don't see. So you do need a staff. I mean, of course, in the beginning, you, you know, you try to do everything on your own. But the more, the higher you want to go, the more likely you will need a staff. To help carry the vision out fully uh, without error in most situations. 
Um, and you want to be organized. You want to be organized and hold people accountable just as you will hold yourself accountable. So, for example, myself, I work four days a week, right? I work Monday, Tuesday, um, Thursday, and Friday. So, guess what? Monday morning, I should be up ready to work. It don't matter where I'm at. I could be in Tulum. I need to be ready to work because I promised my staff that I will show up on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, right? Too often, CEOs slack, and guess what? It, I mean, it, it doesn't make it right, but your team gets that energy, and they start to slack too. And then we want to hold them accountable when really we should have been holding ourselves accountable also because the true leaders lead from the front. We don't lead from the back. So you have to be the um, you know, the first partaker. But anyway, this was just the intro, so let's just jump in. Um, I know that was a long intro. You know, guys, I usually do something quick and then jump into it, but I just thought I have a passion for staffing and the importance of staffing um so let's get into it thank you guys for listening to the introduction go ahead and race on over to the the first segment as we talk about uh staffing and why it's necessary see you guys on the next section hello it's Ashara. i'm back um we just left the introduction talking about staffing and the importance of it so let's talk about now focusing on uh, the hiring process, um, also known as the onboarding process for larger companies. So, um, this Tashara, I'm the massivepreneur. I'm excited about this only because I've had the experience of hiring staff, putting together staff portfolios, evaluations, and things like that. So, I'm, I'm very familiar in this area. And um, I think it's very imperative for us as CEOs to understand um, hi, the hiring process. So let's talk about hiring and onboarding. So let's say you have this specific person who is great. I mean, they are so super great and you decide, Hey, I want to hire them. So you always want to keep things formal with your staff only because when it goes down, it's not a battle of it was now they're calling you by your first name or now they're being disrespectful in front of other people because you made it so informal in the beginning. Now, for example, if you have a cousin or a friend who's really good with Excel and you need an Excel expert, many people say don't hire family, don't hire friends. I beg to differ. I think you can if they understand that they're working for you and that this is not family barbecue time. So if you set those healthy boundaries, I believe that you guys could be successful in getting the vision accomplished. But moving on. So um, your first step in hiring someone, of course, is getting them to apply. So it's not just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to just give you the job. No, they need to apply for the job like everyone else. Once they apply for the job, if you have um, background check requirements, they need to go get their fingerprints and their background checks just as any other staff. I believe also that you should not only make them apply first step, um, your second step may or may not be background checks or, you know, certain policies or procedures in order. For example, my company, you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement uh, in order to, you know, for me to even consider you working for my job, working for the masterpreneur company, you have to sign a non-disclosure only because I'm working with so many companies who has very vital information um, and we don't need their companies being duplicated. So all of my staff sign non-disclosure every time we onboard a new client. So that's the first thing. Second thing is 
uh, understanding the importance of staff accountability and accountability for yourself. So you say, hey, you have three days to sign this non-disclosure. That's just an example. Some people may need it within 24 hours, 48, whatever. To each company, it's own. My point is you make every, you hold everyone to those same standards. So, so you go from, um, they're interested, they apply. Next is your processes, your procedures, background checks, fingerprints, non-disclosures, whatever it is. All right. After that, um, you might do your interviews or you may have done your interviews second, whichever way you do it. Um, so they, they've done the interviews in the interview. They have to come like they come into any other job dress professionally or some jobs like me i see what's going on now in the entrepreneurship realm people are coming comfortably so whatever works for your business of course that's what you you know that's what you decide so some companies and i like it kind of sort of but don't judge me because i'm supposed to be you know this professional but i like that some companies say come in some jeans and a t-shirt because it makes the people feel good about hey I'm, i'm working for a sweatshop why do i have on a suit and tie or Hey, we build cars here. Why am I wearing a suit and tie? You know? So do what's best for your company and don't let other people judge you about how you do your hiring process as far as what what you consider professionalism. All right? If you know you work for a print company, maybe your secretary has to come, has to come, I'm sorry. And um your your secretary or your assistant has to come in suit and tie or you know, blouse or whatever. But the person who's working the machines in the back, you might say come in jeans, some sneakers, and a nice shirt. That's up to you as the CEO because you know you know what you're expecting from that particular staff. Uh, and this is all about onboarding. So uh, moving on, we did the interview, we did the application, we did the uh, qualifications. Um, next thing you might want to do is I always tell people do a second round um, because it makes your business look, it, it legitimizes your business. Like you're not so desperate that you're going to hire the first person walking. Um, you ask for a second round of interviews um, in another setting. I think it's fun. You don't have to do this, but I think it's fun to the second round. For example, you play a round of family feud or or whatever your company is feud, and it gives the 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 staff a kind of you know comfortability where okay, boom, this person is not as stiff or this person isn't as bad to work for. Um, and they get to see another side of you, but yet still professional, if that makes sense. So, for example, if you want to do an onboarding where you they get the professional side, boom, 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 you met that check. Now, the other side, you because you don't want someone in your company that doesn't have a sense of humor. Well, at least I don't. You might not want to. So, um, for me, you have to have a sense of humor, right? Because if, if, I, if a, client, a client calls in, for example, to make a complaint or whatever, I need you to be a human. I don't need you to be, oh, oh, I'm just down for whatever uh, my CEO is down for. No, I need you to be a human and take care of my staff. I mean, I'm sorry, take care of my client um, because you have to be the filter there. So a lot of times that's another thing that we as CEOs, we hire people. Oh, I need someone who's like minded. Not not necessarily. If you deal with a lot of clients, you need someone who's more human. Because you might be so strong-headed that you need somebody to buffer you. So you have to be able to determine that based on your personality and reviews from your family, friends, and people around you. All right? So um, we're still talking about the onboarding process and how important it is to 
um, have a system in place for um, bringing staff on board. So you've done all the technical work. Maybe you've done the second round of interviews. Now, when it's time to hire your team, what, what sets you apart? Me, per se, I like to give a welcome bonus. Depending, and let, me, let me take that back. <laughs> Depending on the position, right? So, for example, my my virtual assistant, I gave uh, her a welcome aboard salary. I mean, a welcome aboard bonus in addition to her salary. Because at that time, I knew I needed someone to help me be very organized and, you know, just get all my brilliant ideas put in processes. So I gave her a welcome aboard bonus as well as I paid her her salary uh, up front. And she was like, you didn't have to do that. But I knew what I needed, you know, and, and everyone is not in the same situation to pay somebody their salary up front or pay them a month in advance and things like that. So do what's best for you. What I'm trying to say is your staff want to feel like they're just as important. You get what I'm saying? And I always tell people, treat your staff how you want to be treated. So Christmas time, you might want a Christmas bonus, right? You may be saying, dang, I want a Christmas bonus. So pay your staff a Christmas bonus or your birthdays. You want your birthday off. Give them their birthday off. You know, like, come on now. You have to think like that if you want great staff retention. So think about all these things, you know, as you're onboarding your your your, your staff and have conversations with them during the onboarding process to see what works for them. Because one company that I worked for, um, it was all about recognition. You know, like, oh, this person employee of the month. Everybody stand up and clap, blah, 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 blah. But that didn't work for me. I didn't care about it. That recognition didn't motivate me, you know. It didn't motivate me because I'm I was used to being recognized my whole life. I was a cheer captain everywhere I went. I was dance captain everywhere I went. You know, I was always Miss This, Homecoming Queen. I was always all these things. So, in my adult life, I didn't need that. I didn't need that validation. What I would have liked is bonuses. You know, like I I would have liked compensation over the recognition. However, what I did learn, though, interesting enough, is that some staff wanted the recognition. It didn't want the bonus, which was crazy to me, but to each his own. So you have to recognize that during the onboarding process. Maybe do the big five personality test, you know, so you can see what motivates each staff member. So moving forward, when they do do something good, you might give them a bonus or you might give them employee of the month or something like that. So you have to understand what works for you and your team okay so i know that was a lot during the onboarding process um don't forget payroll sorry payroll hr all that needs to be done during the onboarding process do they want direct deposit or do they want a paper check you know you, i mean is it a weekly bi-weekly salary you all that need to be established during the onboarding process this is before the first day of work onboarding is before the first day of work all the trainings that you need them to have, certifications, all that need to happen before their their first official day of working for your team. So you might spend a week of onboarding. <clears throat> and, of course, you want to pay them for their onboarding. So maybe that pay might be half of their salary or a quarter, I don't know, or 75% of their salary until their first official day. So consider all that because all this stuff is important. I mean, it might seem very meager and all oh, that don't matter, but it does because it it. It affects the relationship with you and the staff moving forward. And that is a great time to build, you know, staff retention, staff rapport, because they get to know what you expect from them and vice versa. So 
Um, I know that was a lot, but um, we're empowering entrepreneurs to be massive. We're trying to go to the next level. So until the next time, you guys go out there and be massive. Um, Join me with our next section of this episode. We're going to be talking about the firing process, which is the exiting, offboarding, whatever you want to call it. And I think that's going to be interesting for a lot of entrepreneurs. But go out there and be massive until the next segment. Bye-bye. Hey, 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 we're here. We just finished talking about the onboarding process of hiring new staff in our last um, segment. This is Tashara Arthur here with the Truly Sincere Business Solutions podcast. Um, I am the masterpreneur, and I'm excited to share everything that I've experienced, all of my failures and things of that nature, so you guys won't have to experience the same thing. So uh, a very sensitive topic for me. Um, I, I believe as a CEO, um, it's very sensitive how we handle the exiting and offboarding of staff. So for those of you that I have to put it in layman terms for, the firing, resignations, quitting, you know, things like that. This is very, very sensitive because it says a lot about, you know, your company. Not, I wouldn't say you yourself because sometimes people are just weird. But I would say it's still a representation of who you are as a CEO in your company. This is very sensitive to me only because I've experienced it, one, as a CEO, and I've also experienced it as an entrepreneur, uh, as an employee of a company, um, as a manager, and things of that nature, right? So let's talk about exiting, the exiting process. As a CEO, I believe that you should always know what's going on within the organization, how your staff feels, <clears throat> or what direction they see themselves going in with their company. For example, I had a conversation with one of my um, directors at my previous job, and and I said, I don't know where I'm going with this company. I don't see myself working for this company forever. Um, and my the company I was working for is a is a government agency, so of course there are different sites. So I didn't say you know this particular site, but I mean in general with the company, it was just very very like stressful for nothing and then it was stressful and it wasn't something that I was passionate about I think God used me mightily in that area um and helped build even my character and my professionalism there however it wasn't something that I had a passion for per se it was just something that I could do um really well so I I told the the chief because she you know felt so great and highly about me in that particular that particular area of the company um and I said I don't think I'm going to, I mean, I don't know where I see myself. So usually people know where they see themselves if they're into something, right? So if I'm into into this relationship, I see marriage, you know? Or if I'm into this particular recreation, I see myself investing in the equipment for the recreation. But I couldn't find myself to be with that company for the rest of my life. But that was a conversation I had with the CEO and it was no, you know, beef or anything like that. It was just a conversation. Not, I wasn't ready to quit or anything like that. It was just a conversation. Like we had a conversation. So that's why I'm saying you have to have these type of conversations with your staff. Um, and, you know, just see where they, where they where they are so you can help them get the maximum out of your company to be prepared for the next area of their lives. Now, some people feel like that's not good. But I personally feel like you want to build people up. 
because they will always remember you as a person who built them up, not just a person who just used them for your organization, if that makes sense. Like, so, so you'll be the one that in the long term, they'll not only build you up, but they'll recommend your company, even if they're not there. Make sense? Okay, cool. They will not, uh, they might not be in your company, but they're still a vested partner. So they're one of your stakeholders without officially being a stakeholder because the best form of advertisement is the word of mouth. I don't care what type of technology comes out. I still believe in the best form of advertising being the word point of word of mouth. So, so let's get to it. So, um, when it, but what I didn't like when it was my time to exit. So the first time, because I valued my CEO, the first time, um, God nugged on my spirit to leave the job because it was so stressful. I had a supervisor that felt like I was trying to take over her job or whatever, but that was never my intention. I'm just like a perfectionist and I like putting systems in place. So, um, my supervisor, oh, my CEO was like giving me all these praises in front of the supervisor, in front of the whole um, company, really. And that made my supervisor feel uneasy, but that was never my intention. So that's another thing, another podcast for another time. But, um, so I was being, I, I started being bullied on my job. And I, yeah, I'm going to say I started being bullied. I started being harassed. Um, just talked to um, in ways that I didn't feel comfortable and um, treated just weirdly. Um, but anyway, um, I, I went and sat with the CEO because that was the person that hired me. And I said, hey, um, I don't want to you know, be here anymore. I don't feel comfortable. Even though I loved what I was doing, it wasn't worth the headache for me. And she was like, no, 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 you're not leaving. You're not leaving. I'm going to um, give you a promotion to another position. At that time, I was just overcoming postpartum depression. Um, and I just, I don't know. I just said, okay. Um, it was an opportunity for me to get away from that particular supervisor. So I took the next position. That next position, I was the manager without being the manager, if that makes sense. They told me to do this, that, and the third, right? I'm hiring for that department. I'm looking over resumes but in the background now because, of course, it was unethical for me to do it um, out loud. Uh, because I was on, I was just a a, sta- a line staff. I wasn't a supervisor or a manager, but I was the one hiring people from the background. So I will be told to look at the resumes and decide who I'm gonna hire. Um, of course, that wasn't my job, but I was doing it. Be honest. So my manager will be like, "Okay, who do you think?" Bop bop bop. Um, and I would say, okay, we need this, this, and this for this um, for this side of the company to flourish. We need this type of person, this type of person. So I was hiring without hiring. Um, and then, I mean, it just became so overwhelming because I even had to do the evaluation. So I was behind the scenes doing evaluations. And then, like, giving it to my manager, and then he would sit with the person or whatever. I was also putting um, CRMs in place. Uh, Excel's in place, Excel worksheets, just doing all this managerial work from the background. Uh, my manager will go on vacation and I will automatically be the person who was in charge of the department. And I was just doing it for a long time. Um, our 
company went from our company went from the bottom, I'll say the bottom 25% all the way to the top 25%. Ultimately going to the number one com- number one center in the company. When I first came aboard um in that department we were number 96 in the country in the in the company going all the way up to number one in the company um and it was just something it was like a standout accomplishment not for not only for me but for our center so everyone was congratulating me you know telling me all these great things about how well of a job i was doing and we saw our admissions um our new for example our new clients right um, the clientele was picking up because I was very good with marketing. I was very good with community relationships. I was very good with speaking. So I used all those things to bring people into the company, which gave us more exposure, which, of course, gave us more money. With You know, so it, it we grew in capital and we grew in compliance. So even with that, it became so overwhelming because at that time I was still getting my master's in business administration degree. Right. So in my master's in business administration degree, I said, you know, it was my last last semester. And um, I said a second time I wanted to. And this time I wrote a letter of resignation. So I tried to do it the official way versus just a conversation. I wrote a letter of resignation and the resignation letter was tore up in my face. I'm not accepting this was the words that I got from my CEO. I'm not accepting this. Um, You know, like just and just told me some harsh words. So even with the harsh words. I just, I said, yes, ma'am, because I didn't want to be disrespectful, whatever. So I said, may I excuse myself? We were in a meeting uh, with myself, um, my manager, and the CEO. And I went in my car and I cried. And I cried because, not because, oh, my, I, like, because I really wanted to, you know, be myself and tell her how I felt. But, you know, professionally, I didn't do it. So they gave me a week to get myself together. Now, while they gave me a week to get myself together, I was still on payroll. Um, to make this final decision, I was still on payroll. So uh, I went back in there and I said, okay, I'm trying to get my master's degree. So we got, we're going to have to work some things out. Um, so I was able to work two days out of the week, still getting the same salary. Um, and just doing my master's degree and building my business at the same time, building a masterpreneur company at the same time. Um, and then, long story short, moving forward, I went to, uh, she gave me a promotion to run my own department. I had a whole department. Well, during that time, I was still helping the front, the last manager and doing that. So it was very, very overwhelming. I was pregnant with my third daughter. So at this time, I'm just planning my exit strategy. As an employee, listen, CEOs, I was planning my exit strategy because I was not happy. So with my exit strategy, I knew I was going to um, leave the job. I was going to go on maternity leave, exhaust all of my funds to be able to pay for the masterpreneur company. Because I was going to use all that money that I was getting to, you know, pay for my my own entrepreneurship journey. So I was saving my checks, saving my checks. And when it was time for me to return, um... When it was time for me to return back to work, I didn't. I sent in my letter of resignation to the human resources department now. So before, remember, check this out. I verbally um, sorry, I verbally resigned. I got a promotion. I physically resigned 
but not the pro proper way. I thought I should give common courtesy to my manager and my CEO. Um, that was the client. And I got another promotion. The third time, I sent it to HR via email and didn't have to make any contact because I tried to do it every way possible. Long story short, when I did resign, it was terrible. Um, I was told I couldn't get my personal property, just all type of drama. Um, and you would think you would be appreciated because you did it the right way. That didn't happen. Uh, before we end this podcast, I want to say two other episodes. I mean, two, yeah, two other times I tried to resign from organizations. I wasn't even getting paid to do this stuff, but I tried to resign from two different organizations. And I always like to talk to the leader to let them know what I'm feeling and how I'm feeling because I just feel like it's the right thing to do. But sometimes people don't want to hear that. Sometimes people have interests. They have their own agendas for you um, that don't match the agenda that you have for yourself. Long story short, every time I try to resign, I'm thinking I'm doing the right thing. I get backlash. But CEOs, I want to let you know this. It is important that people, tr you know, trust you enough or uh, not the word trust per se, but they uh, respect you enough, I will say, to, to have a conversation. They respect you enough to resign the correct way. And for you as a CEO to turn around and like pretty much slap that person in the face and tell them why they're making a bad decision, whatever. That says a lot about you as a CEO. Instead of you wishing them well wishes, especially if they help your organization, they didn't harm your organization. They didn't talk about you to other people and whatever. You should respect that as an adult and as a CEO. So that's called maturity. So we talked about resignation during this time during this um, exiting process. Let's talk about <clears throat> a person just quitting. A person just walking up and quitting don't tell you a thing. No resignation, no buy, change their number, Just they just quit. That should tell, all these types of exiting should tell you who you are as a CEO. So if someone just quit without talking to you, that tells you that you guys never had, you know, a relationship, a rapport where they feel like they could tell you. Um, firing. When you have to fire someone, make sure you're doing it ethically so you're not firing them because of your own personal feelings or anything like that but because of violation of rules that was discussed during the onboarding process or a breach of contract during the onboarding process and if you have to fire them because you can't pay them give them time enough at least a month because you as a ceo should be able to know what how your money is looking at least three months in advance so you want to tell them hey march first it's january or maybe february march 1st um will be your last day of working with me uh due to um capital or due to you know you have to have a conversation with people because they do have families and they do have responsibilities to take care of so that gives them enough time to be looking for you know other jobs they will respect you in the long run all right so we talked about um resignations we talked about quitting and we talked about firing all those things as a process in order to be completed but anyway i talked about this too long i'm gonna move on um if you guys need more assistance with that, please contact me at www.massivepreneurs.com. If you want to reach out to me during, during like any social medias, I'm on mostly all social media platforms at Massivepreneur. Um, and my team will be happy to help you with this. Until next time, thank you guys for listening. I'm going to go over to the next topic, which is building rapport um, and communication with your staff. Go out there and be massive. It's Tashar here again talking about um, staffing.
process. And in this particular segment, we're going to be talking about building rapport and communication with your staff. Like I said, this is in very this is very important as a CEO because you want to look at your staff retention. So if you're always a CEO who keeps having to hire new people with the same position over and over and over again, that tells you a lot about the rapport that you have with your team. And you want to be able to fix that um, because you don't have time to keep stopping and hiring and firing. You know, you don't have time for that um, if you're trying to get to the next level in your business. So uh, building rapport is very important. And rapport is basically trust between you and your staff. Um, where if they say, hey, I'm not feeling good today. Please, can I have the afternoon off or I can come for half a day? Have some type of humanality in you um, because you want to make sure your team respects that about you. You know, where if something really do happen, they could, they'll tell you, hey, this came up. Versus they have to lie and pretend, oh, I'm sick today. I can't come in. But if you have a staff that says, hey, my daughter is graduating today from pre-K or whatever, kindergarten. Can I please have the morning off? You know, you want to have those type of communication where they won't have to lie to you. Or, hey, I woke up with a bad toothache today. Uh, can I go try to go to urgent care da, 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 and bring you a note? Yeah. Versus... You know, they say, oh, my dad died or something. So they want to go on a vacation to, to Jamaica. <laughs> you know, I've seen that happen, too. So so you can't always accommodate your staff, but they'll respect the fact that you did try to accommodate them in, in, in some occasions. A report says a lot about um, how they feel about the company also, because if I know that I have a company deadline, I'm not going to lie and go and say I need the morning off just because I want to sleep in. If I know that we have an important deadline, you know, that afternoon. You know, your your staff will be interested, invested in your deadlines as a CEO if there's a report and they feel like, you know what, this is my company too. You know, I'm responsible for this too. Uh, another thing is uh, report, and when we're thinking about report is holidays, birthdays, their children date birthdays, like this stuff you want to know as a CEO um, because just like you want somebody to say, hey, I, congratulations on your daughter graduating from college or congratulations on your daughter's marriage or whatever. They want to feel that, too. So make sure you, you, you think about those things when it comes to the rapport with you and your staff and communication. Uh, communication eliminates a lot of confusion. Uh, another thing I think as CEOs we don't do enough is random, randomly recognizing the hard work of our staff. Um, a lot of times CEO get a lot of glory. Oh, I'm the CEO, dot, dot, dot. But you couldn't do it by yourself. So make sure you say, hey, this afternoon we're going to go for lunch. Everybody lunch on me. Or even if you want to cash out them or send them like $20 towards dinner tonight. You know, something like that. Random stuff that works. But to do absolutely nothing, it says a lot about how you feel about your staff. Um, I like to do random um, holiday parties. I mean, not holiday parties. I'm sorry. Office parties where, okay, we all come together and we say tomorrow we're going to do Tomorrow we're going to do uh, a $10 appreciation gift to each other, right? So you go Dollar Tree or any place like that, and you just, the limit is $10 or $5, whatever your limit is, 50 30 whatever. Your limit is this amount, and you go and you go buy a gift for your staff, and they buy a gift for each other. So it's like kind of like a secret Santa thing, but you don't have to wait for Christmas to do it. Um, and you plan things at least once a month. Today we're going to wear a blue sweater. Today is blue sweater day. You know? Or today is all blue. And you allow them to dress down with their all blue. 
or let's do a Jersey date. You know, all the, it, it just little things like that. You build rapport and let them know that, guess what? I'm human too. I have fun. I like to have fun too. And your staff feels comfortable. Uh, another thing is when you want to have staff trainings. Nobody, not even you, not even you as a CEO wants to sit in a boring training, especially if it's like a critical training that takes like four hours or so. So on the flip side, uh, the last company I worked for, we had to do a training. It was a MAB training. Yeah. So it was a training about um, managing aggressive behavior, right? Between staff, students, whoever, like clients, whatever. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this training say five hours. I got to be here all day. So I already put my head in the fact that this is about to get on my nerves. <laughs> Just being honest. Um, and But they divided us with, with two different trainers. When I say that was the best training I ever received in my life, like, seriously. It was so fun. We used objects. We used YouTube. We used raps. We did different things to make this thing so fun and exciting. It was so fun. I was excited. I was like, it's over already? They like, yeah, it's over. I'm like, dang, it's over. But at first, I'm like, dang, I got to do it, you know? So you want to make sure that your staff trainings are educational, but also very, very fun, you know? Nobody wants to be in a boring training, especially if it takes hours. But moving forward, um, the other set, remember I said it was two groups. The other group came out, and they were, like, so annoyed. And when someone is annoyed, they're not retaining information. They don't hear nothing you saying over there when you're talking about, oh, we're doing a staff training. They was not listening to that staff training. They don't even remember nothing from the, from the staff training. And it was just like, what the heck? We, it was like we got the same information, but one team was able to receive it and the other team rejected everything. So that says a lot about the rapport, the communication. Staff training is mandatory. It's necessary. So you want to do a staff training at least every quarter with your team. But it, it has to be engaging, you know. Um, another form of communication and rapport is, okay, let's say a client had a bad experience. <laughs> Let me be honest. Me, myself, I've learned to be better. But um, when I first got out of college, my dad was running an accounting firm. And it was about, you know, um, working with different women and different staff members. And the client will come in aggressive and upset. No, you know, ill-mannered or whatever. Fussing and yelling, da 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 And at that time, I was young. I think I was like 21, maybe <clears throat> 22. But I had no understanding. I'm like, who is she talking to? Like, But I, I immediately got on defense because how aggressive she came. So um, it was at that time that my dad removed me from the front office dealing with customers to the back office, administrative work. And he said, um, dealing with customers, clients is not your strong suit. Oh, let me just tell you, my dad is my, um, is the person that uh, molded me a lot in business. Um, I saw a lot of bad things um, at the round table and I turned them into good things. Um, so I know how to come at the table in different directions. <clears throat> I just had to put it out there. So my dad was my first real business coach before the MBA before anything it was my father um who motivated me and molded me <clears throat> when it comes to business so uh, my dad moved me from the back I mean from the front office to the back office which was good for me because I learned so much stuff 
that equipped me to be the masterpreneur. So I learned how to be audit proof. I know how to get ready for audits. I knew how to put files together, you know, client files, not only client files, but staff files. I knew how to clock client out. I mean, staff hours. I knew how to um, bring a client, a uh, staff in, I'm sorry, and let them know, you know, this is what we need to work on. Da, 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 da. This is me at 21. So, I mean, I was being ready for this stuff. It was just sometimes we could be ready, but we're not molded yet. So I wasn't molded yet, but I, I, I had the energy, you know, and the vision to what I wanted to do at 21 years old. So um, my dad, my dad um, realized that my strong suit was was administration. And he began to give me more responsibility in the in the back office. And in the back office, I learned how to work with subsidiary with the federal government and subsidiary contracts. Um, I had to des- decide which which companies that we're, we were gonna, which vendors we were gonna use. Whether it was for toilet paper, you know, wh- whatever the the office needed, I was basically the one who had to make those decisions with um, which vending company we were gonna use for our paper, etc. We needed new computers. Okay, which company are we gonna go through to purchase thousands of dollars worth of equipment for the company? New printers, uh, fax machine, all that stuff. Uh, making sure the light bill was paid, make sure the business was registered with that city, make sure we were, you know, inspection ready, things like that. And this was me at 21. And I began to learn so much, so much, so much, so much. And it was a lot, but that's when I knew this was my passion. Uh, and I had to build report. My dad and I had a report. And it just flowed. It was like that wasn't even my dad. It was, They knew it was my dad because... They knew it was my dad, but it was never unprofessionalism as far as him and me disrespecting him in front of the staff or me getting away with things like, oh, I'm not coming to work today because that's my dad. It was never like that. Me and my dad would be in the office an hour early before clients got there. In most cases, we would have coffee together. We would have um, uh, breakfast together, different things, and have conversations. We would talk about what's going on with News Weekly, Forbes, etc. Me and my dad. We built that report. So when the staff got there, they already saw what's working. Uh, many times, it was me and my dad, the last two to leave the office. Um, if not, was, uh, of course, a couple of the last two because it was my brother and things like that. But we would be the last ones to leave the office, never leaving the staff to clean up or figure it out on their own. So this is what I mean by staff report um, and working with family and business. You have to draw the line and you have to set the standard of what you expect. Um, as the CEO or as the business owner, etc., manager, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, so that's that's what happened with with, with uh, my experiences. But um, to wrap that all up, you want to make sure you are engaging your your staff so that they will want to be a partner in the business with you. But other than that, that's all I have for rapport. If you need more help with building rapport, um, with staff training and things like that. Uh, please contact us at the Masterpreneur Company. So that's www.masterpreneurs.com. And if you want to follow us on social medias, it's at Masterpreneurs. At Masterpreneur on all social sites. Until next time, go out there and be massive. Hello, Masterpreneurs out there. It's Tashara here with the Truly Sincere Business Solution Podcast. Uh, if you guys hear that extra windy sound in the background, just came from my morning run uh, and I feel good I feel so good um, because this is one of my favorite topics and I talked about it earlier in this uh, episode of podcast but 
Um, I think it's very, very important that we understand this as CEOs um, to learn when not to take things personal. We're, we're talking about staffing still. All right. And I thought it was imperative for me to just focus specifically on letters of resignation um, because I think it's overlooked a lot of times and it's not enough training on um, a CEO handling, handling a letter of resignation. Um, and if you go back up a couple segments um, in this this particular episode, I talked about the exiting onboarding process. And that was one of the most lengthiest ones because I got into um, the resignation part, which is very, very sensitive for me because I never, ever just left an organization or I never, ever just left, um, you know, a job. I always expressed how I felt. Um, and it was always discounted. I always gave a resignation verbally, you know, whatever type of resignation, ver- verbally, uh, you know, every type of resignation, you know. Um, so my CEO was never left in the dark as to why is this person, what happened? You know, why did they quit? Or like, they, it's never that. It's always a conversation with the CEO as to why I'm leaving the job. So getting right into it. When a staff member gives you a letter of resignation, your attitude says a lot about who you are as a person or an individual. And you always have to ask yourself, okay, I know what, how this would affect my company, you know, how this would affect me. But how, how does this affect that particular individual? What I mean by that is, Is it in that person's best interest to leave or stay? Ultimately, it's not your your choice to make. You know what I'm saying? But if a person is leaving and they did it the the correct way, then you honor, you kind of, you should honor that. You know, they didn't go blast you on social media or they don't get together with covens and um, discuss you know how terrible their experience was with you or anything like that but if they leave the correct way i think it should be a conversation had to wish them the best of luck um and let them know that um all the great things about themselves you know you're a strong person you're this you're that you're that um and then even if you have a rapport with them and you want to give them a tip like um okay god is taking you to the next level congratulations but work on your temper you know just be mindful of your temper whatever you want to you don't want to make it seem like oh they're now now they are um what's the word now they are um banned if that makes sense and now you as a ceo get together with the other staff to talk about that particular and this has happened to me like and it it it, it just never ceases to amaze me i'm like really really now this has been professionally (laughs) done um like on my job and organizations you know this is this is crazy like a person has the authority on themselves to resign you cannot hold people you you people are not people don't belong to you okay so as a ceo you have to respect whatever decision that they make you can't just get mad because someone resigned it's, and listen, resigned is the proper way of quitting a job. Would you prefer them to quit a job or resign? Because if they're giving you notice, hey, this is what's going on. I have to leave, blah, 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 blah. You should respect that. 
versus them just quitting and you don't know what happened. Did they die? Are they in the hospital? What happened? I'm not hearing from them. They changed their number. What's going on? You, If a person respects you enough to resign, you as a CEO and a leader of that organization, company, should respect that. And then you don't go with the other staff to talk about that particular person because guess what? Now your staff see how you act when someone resigns. So guess what they're going to do? Just quit without resigning. Because now you showed them that even if a person resigns and do it the right way, you still will go and blast that person. Or now you're talking about that person to the other people who are now coming back to the person and telling them what you said. It's like, come on now. CEOs require another level of, of maturity. And if, if you want respect from your staff, you be honest with your staff. You tell your staff, this person resigned um, and we wish them all the best of luck. And you end that. You don't, you don't like feed into negative drama because now that says a lot about how messy you are as a CEO and you will not get respect from the people that's working under you. I'm just being 100% honest. They might not verbalize it at the moment, but they, a, a, a level of respect has just disappeared because you're supposed to be the leader. You're supposed to be the one that lead the people in the flock into the right direction. All right. Especially if that person has been beneficial to your company or your organization, you don't slander them when you get the opportunity. Or when, you, when they do something you don't like. That tells a lot about the CEO. Another thing about a resignation letter. Um, if you want in your onboarding process. You can make a contract. That um, lets the, the, the staff know. These are the, these are the ways to exit. So if you need to exit. You contact HR. Or you send an email. Or whatever. You, you have that conversation. These are conversations that people don't want to have. They, people never want to have this conversation because they want to pretend it'll never happen to them. But these are the conversations that you constantly want to have because you want to make sure that you can you you brief yourself as a CEO. Me personally, um, I've experienced a staff resigning. I did not take it personal. I wanted the best for that staff, so I told that staff, "Whatever I can do to help you moving forward in your process, I am here." Um, if you need a letter of recommendation, I am here. Because it's not personal all the time. People make everything personal. It's business. People have to go to another level in their lives, even if they fail. Check this out, all of our people. When the prodigal son left, he left prematurely. Yes, he did. But as the leader of the household, the leader of the household did not go around banishing the prodigal son. Because guess what? God brought the prodigal son back. Now, if God, when God brings someone back to you, you don't know they might be wealthy, they might be rich or whatever, and they have a million dollars that they need to sell, they want to sell this million dollars. Guess who they're not going to sell it to? You. Because you didn't handle it correctly. And I'm just being honest. It's like we have to have some type of class and dignity about ourselves. And a lot of times as CEOs, not only do your staff need training, but you need training. You need training as a CEO how to handle certain situations. And we also provide that service. Um, at the Masterpreneur Company. And it's not to point anybody out or, you know, make anybody feel bad. It's just the facts are the facts. So the Masterpreneur Company um, not only trains staffs, but we also train CEOs. Okay? We have CEO training specifically for staff interaction, and we have staff um, training specifically for how staff should deal with the client and the management. So... Um, if you need help with this area, I know it's a very sensitive topic, but it's real and it keeps happening. Visit us at masterpreneurs.com. 
when you visit us at massapreneurs.com, um, you can, you know, book a consultation and my staff will be happy to help you. But don't pretend that this doesn't happen because it happens too often. And then you burn your own reputability and people don't respect you as a CEO. Um, and it's all about maturity, you know, handling things different, seeing things from a different perspective. So maybe you can't see or understand, but maybe our company can help you as an outsider looking in. But anyway, um, I feel like I've talked about it. I've talked about resignation so much that, Lord Jesus, don't bring it back because I don't want to really have to talk about it again. But it's very, very important that CEOs understand that this stuff is never personal. It's about that person and that level of their lives and what they are trying to accomplish. Um, and I feel like resignations are a sign of respect. Um, so I would throw a party for my, my team member that res resigned. I will offer letters of resignations. I will, you know, keep a rapport because you never know when you have to spin the block or when they have to spin the block or if God blessed them tremendously and they're looking for a company to sew into. So um, handle yourself with class and with grace um, as a CEO when somebody tries to resign or resigns from your company. Until next time, you guys, um, go ahead and visit us on all social sites at Masterpreneur. Um, IG, Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, Periscope, Facebook. The list goes on, okay? We are happy to hear from you. We would love a review. Um, and you can email us at info at masterpreneurs.com. Until next time, go out there and be massive. Whew. 2020 has been very eventful. Uh, this Tashara here at the Masterpreneur Company on the Truly Sincere Business Solution Podcast. This is my last segment uh, in this season, my first season of podcasting. When I say mind-blowing, y'all, I mean mind-blowing. God did some amazing things in 2020. Even with this podcast alone, if he did nothing else, this podcast has really been massive. I mean, so many, so much feedback, so many people being inspired, so many bookings, so many clients. God is good. That's why when God tells you to do something, whether you see it or believe it, you have to step out on it. Um, so, but getting into it, this, this last topic for this, this season is going to be protecting your staff. We're talking about staffing during this episode. Protecting your staff is so important. Uh, so, like I said, I always speak from experience. Um, and my master's degree in business administration was just a bonus. But my experience is what made me the massapreneur. So, um, it, there was an incident where a staff member messed up an order, like a coffee order or something like that. And um, the manager, the customer was irate, of course, how customers go. The customer was irate, oh, I want my money back, da 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 right? So, the manager comes out, I mean, the the the... the the client customer asks to see the manager. Hey, managers out there, CEOs, train your managers. When you go to um, a situation um, that's confrontational, you never throw your staff under the bus. It's always we, us, are, you know, plural words. We will work to get better. I'm so sorry you experienced that from our team, but we will fix this. It's never like, yeah, she had a bad day, child. I don't know. I see this. Uh, <laughs> I'm in line and I'm witnessing this. Like, is this really happening? You have to protect your staff. Now, right is right and wrong is wrong. Let's, let's, let's clear that up. But you don't click up with 
no one to banish or uh, criticize your teammate or your staff. So even if your staff was wrong, you let them know they were wrong, of course, privately. But publicly, no ma'am, no sir. That does not happen. Because it says a lot about your company. And if I don't feel protected as your staff, low-key, I'm going to be looking for another job. High-key, I quit. (laughs) You know, your staff want to feel like they are appreciated. And of course, things happen. But they don't want to feel like, you know, you you won't protect them when when it comes down to the get-down. Another example of this is... uh, I had my experience working with my dad, like I told you guys earlier in this episode. Uh, it was this. So remember, remember, my dad moved me from the front to the back of the business. The front of the business is customer service, customer interaction. And he moved me to the back of the business to do more administrative work, hiring, firing, things like that, uh, audits and things. So I had a one particular incident where one of the staff in the front, was cursed out so bad, was talked to so bad, disrespectfully, and, and the staff took it, you know, took it for a little minute, but then the staff eventually launched back out and went off back on the staff, uh, on the client. Now, of course, the client wants the staff to be fired. So now you as a CEO are in a pickle or in a, in a tough spot, but I don't think it's a tough spot. First of all, what I think was done wrong on my side was the argument was going on too long. I should have been gotten up no matter what I was doing in the back at that time I should have been gotten up and went and made an intervention for my staff but I didn't because I was trying to type this last email because this other client was complaining about something so I had to hurry up and do it like an email really quick and then I said okay then I'll get up and go long story short um that was a mistake on my side as a manager at that time when I get to the front I have to calm the staff down but at that point the staff was already like like you know 800 degrees up in the air like, at that point, didn't want to hear anything because of the things that the staff said to, you know, did that the client, I'm sorry, said to the staff member. Racial slurs, uh, what else, uh, masculinity words. It was a lot going on. Now, the reason why this was bad is because not only, it wasn't just those two in the room. You had other clients lined up against the wall. You had other staff members in the receptionist booth. So, all these people are looking for what's about to happen next. As a CEO, you have to make your team feel uh, protected. You have to make them feel like, listen, no matter what nobody say, my, my CEO got me. You know, no matter how this goes, my CEO got me. As long as I, I, you know, as long as I do my part. So the first time in the receptionist booth is a door, like, a, a you know, open the door. Hi, welcome. And we can close it back so people can't look into, you know, the receptionist booth. Long story short, the person going banging on the window. Open the D door. Da, 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 da. So the staff opens the door. Hi, how can I help you? Oh, da, 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 whatever their reason was for being upset. So the staff member said, okay, please sign in and have a seat so I can get um, the proper people to help you. I'm not signing nothing, whatever. So they came in with a nasty attitude. So the staff said, okay, well, I can't help you if I don't know what, you know, who, who, who the issue is with. So I can, you know. So, of course, that person didn't want to hear it. So the person said, you know, the client said, Oh, I would spit on you. And the staff say, excuse me? And the person, and, and that's, so that's what, so the staff closes the, the window back. Now, some people say that's rude. They shouldn't have closed the window. Yes, they should have because it's, your staff shouldn't feel like they're going to get spit on or they shouldn't feel like, 
you know, someone's going to launch you here and attack me or launch you. You know, it shouldn't be that type of atmosphere. So, anyway, staff closed the window. Here goes the customer again, banging on glass. Boom, 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 boom. And it's just like, I, as a manager, felt at that time that they can handle it. And that was a mistake. And remember, at this time, I was like 21. Like, okay, I'll be there in a minute. But as soon as you hear a voice raised or anything like that, as a manager, you stop everything what you're doing. You come into the front. And you want to, you know, intervene. So the 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 um, staff member was verbally assaulted, threatened physically, and then eventually retaliated and said some things back. It was like, I'm not going to be disrespected. I don't care who you are. I'm not going to be. And I, I totally agree. Um, but I felt like, too, if it was more training put in place, that this could have been avoided. Long story short, there was no training put in place. So I could not blame the staff how they reacted. I could not blame anybody. You know, I just had to deal with it as it came. So, the staff went on ahead, and the staff was able to calm down, go to the back. I was able to get the angry client escorted out front, you know, to breathe, to walk with the particular person that they had the issue with. And then, of course, my staff calmed down. We have the conversation. You go home for the day, and we'll resume tomorrow. You know, because it wasn't, at first, your first mind is, oh, I would have fired her. No, no, no. You should fire yourself because you didn't properly have positions in place to protect your staff. And now your staff feels like, oh, do I have to come to come to work with a gun or a knife? You know, I'm just being dramatic, but you never know the psyche of people. Do your staff feel comfortable coming to work every day? Uh, staff harassment. I was at my job. I told you guys that I was bullied, um, that I was being bullied or I was being harassed. It was rumors about me in my last employment. And I felt I was not protected. Like, no one intervened and made me feel safe. No one intervened and stood up for me. And every day I went to work feeling like, here we go again. Like, here we go again. Here we go again. And now I'm on defense. It makes other staff be like, oh, something wrong with her. I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to deal with her. But it's truly because I've heard what you said about me. or It was just drama. And all this stuff could be avoided, especially if you have a good worker or someone who's faithful to the job. You want to make sure you protect them. Um, one thing I can say, one of my previous organizations, um, that it was an incident like that where everybody was just, he said, she said, ganging up on me. And I'm like, hello, trying to be nice to everybody. People rolling their eyes, they mad at me. I'm like, what did I do? In my head, trying to figure out why are they mad at me? Long story short, it started from one person telling a lie. To another person who told that lie to another person. And it, it, so all the while, I'm just smiling and laughing and thinking everything all good. When all, all the while, this person has planted to see the discord. And is coming into the organization making lies about me, which makes other people don't want to deal with me. And at that time, my CEO stepped up and we had a, a, a meeting about it. And my CEO said, this is not going to happen. We're not going to allow this. Um, in order for this organization to function and move forward, this got to stop right now. And they were so mad, like, we had a meeting about this. This is what the meeting about. Yes, this is what the meeting about because the organization is trying to go to another level, but it can't go to another level with confusion. So you will have a CEO that steps up and defend you and make you feel, okay, ooh, protected and safe. But then in other incidents, you'll have a CEO that feels like, let's just act like, <laughs> let's just act like nothing happened, you know, or maybe if I don't acknowledge it, then I don't have to, you know, speak on it. You don't want your staff to feel like, they're coming into your organization or your company and you don't have their best interest at heart because ultimately they're coming to work for you because they have the company's best interest at heart. 
So consider that thing. You have to protect your staff, okay? At all costs, make sure you protect your staff. If they're wrong, of course, you want to correct them in a private matter. But publicly, you want to protect your staff and make your staff feel like no matter what goes on, we're on the same page. So I hope that was good, y'all. This is my last topic um, for this season. See you guys in the springtime. But God is good. You know, God is faithful. And we are going to get where we need to get.